father's tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Hey, if you want to know who are the best high school basketball coaches and leaders in our country are, you need to stay tuned and listen to the Championship Vision Podcast. We have some of the most renowned and best high school basketball coaches and PE teachers from around the country. Coaches you might not have heard of, but have amazing ideas. And I firmly believe every coach in America has genius within them. It's not all about the state championships. It's about the impact you have on your kids and your community. So stay tuned to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coaches, welcome back to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Today is episode 189 with Coach Randy McClure. He's the head girls basketball coach at Campbell High School in Smyrna, Georgia. Coach Randy McClure is from Charlotte, North Carolina. He taught science at Willis High School in 1986. In 1990, he took over the job as Campbell's girls basketball coach. The Lady Spartans have appeared in the Georgia State Tournament 17 of the last 19 seasons. On nine occasions, McClure guided the Lady Spartans to the Elite Eight or better. Campbell is honoring the two coaches by naming its new basketball facility, the Gwen McClure Gymnasium. The new gym, which seats 3,500, opened in 2017. Now it's got a new name. On December 7th, McClure led Campbell to a 48-46 win over Marietta to reach 500 career victories. He has a career mark of 502 and 317 with no plans of stepping down. Coaches, today we got another uh, Atlanta, Georgia coaching legend that's going to join us. Um, Coach McClure has been 30-plus years at Campbell High School. Matter of fact, he was the first one to... Uh, come in, start the high school. He was the first girls basketball coach at Campbell right from the beginning. You're going to see how uh, his career path started and how he has built Campbell into the, one of the preeminent dominant programs in the state of Georgia. So uh, we're going to talk a lot about his philosophy, his key principles that he believes in, and his aggressive pressure offense, pressure defensive system he runs at Campbell. So let's welcome Randy McClure.
Hey, Randy. Hey, All Kevin. All right, man. Hey, this is great, man. I'm glad we can connect. <laughs> Third time. That's right, man. It's like, you know, it's like trying to win that state championship, man. It's so keep going there, getting there and getting there. And then finally it happens. <laughs> That's right. Right, I guess. I guess. <laughs> I hear it. Um, of course, I haven't been there yet, but you know, but um, we're all striving to get there, right? <laughs> right. Well, I feel like if I get all mine graduated and they go to school and they come back and they have that's my state championship. I like to win the big one. I'm kind of like I'm a Dean Smith fan. You know, Coach Smith forever to win his first one, and then after then sure. it was kind of. But he he did a good job taking care of folks. And that's kind of what I pride on. I want my kids to have a great time. I, I'm, I'm as competitive as heck now. Don't get me wrong. I want to win everything I'm in. But at the end of the day, this is a calling for me. So uh, if if the Lord chooses that I'm just to get folks to become dentists and doctors and all like that, I'm all right with that. Yeah, for sure on that. And there's more. Sometimes we forget the priority list, right, of, of coaches on that. I think we spend so much time on the end result. And we forget yep. that the kids you're working with are a, we're all a continual grow, uh, process, right? We're all growing in different That's forms. Right. Um, That's right. Hey, I, I appreciate you joining me. And I, I try to interview, I don't know if you've seen the list of coaches that I've interviewed and so forth, but I've been very blessed and honored to speak with all you guys. Phyllis Arthur, uh, Gene Durden, yeah. Hilda Hankerson, yeah. some of the best of the best. Yeah. And Hey, now I got Randy McClure, man. This is this is I'm really happy about that. You downgraded today, I'm gonna tell you. Them are my buddies, those are good folks right there, all of them. So you, <laughs> you took a step back today. <laughs> oh man, no way. Hey, I know you built a great program there at Campbell. I really want you to share with us kind of some insight what you guys are doing. Um, because I think coaches absolutely love the podcast because they get to kind of see inside the mind of how you built your program. Hey, talk about growing up in the game and how you learn the game and how that kind of transition into you becoming a coach. Well, uh, of course, uh, a long time ago, a, uh, a guy stopped through our neighborhood with a bunch of us were just goofing around and uh, gave us an opportunity to play Pop Warner football. And if it hadn't been for that, who knows where I would have been. And, and it went from there to playing basketball and baseball. And uh, Mike Thompson, I'll never forget, I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina, and he came – he worked for the power company and uh, his mission was he had no uh, reason, uh, Kevin, to stop in our neighborhood. This guy's white. He could have gone with his business, but he took time out to come in all of us uh, and had never played organized sports, didn't know anything about that. And uh, that that had probably had a huge impact on me early in my life. And then having played through high school and uh, just uh, I was a med pre-med student and I was going to teach for one year. And that was 34 years ago because I was going to teach for that one year. But when I got the teaching, I believed I found exactly what God put me in this world to do. And I got hooked up with Coach Charlie Neal at uh, F.T. Wills High School. And they had just won a state championship with Brian Oliver and a whole mm. host of other good guys. And uh, then we uh, I stayed there as his ninth grade coach for a few years. And then we merged the two schools, uh, F.T. Wills old Campbell High School, Campbell Panthers. Uh, and I was a great coach uh, with David Boyd for one year. Sure. And uh, it was they uh, merged us and they called us Smyrna High School for one year, which is really what we should. And, uh, you know, there was a lawsuit. The Campbell family 
uh, went through some steps in Cobb County, buffed at that. And so anyway, I got to work under some really good folks. Um, uh, and I learned a lot. And then, and then uh, Doug Lipscomb was a good friend of mine. When Doug was early with Sharif and those, I would go watch their practices, um, just ask questions. And uh, and I've been able to work with Coach Gwen. He's won a championship. And I picked his brain as much as I can. And a lot of what we do right now, I start. It works. We have to do it. And this is what we're trying to do. Uh, I'm going to ask about it and I'm going to modify it and do what we can do to make it work for us. So it's been some good people in my life, uh, some great people to mentor me. Uh, if Coach Charlie Neal had ever given me a chance to uh, coach, you and I wouldn't be talking right now. So I'm very grateful for him for that. Uh, of course, he's passed on. And then David Boyd is he's won a few state championships. He's gone around a few places. but <laughs> He has. I yeah. got to see him uh, when he had won his first one there at Campbell uh, with his brother Cal actually on the team. So I wasn't there, but I got there afterwards and I got to know them pretty good. So I know them real well. So it's been a blessing. Uh, just the Lord has provided people and uh, I could have I, I wouldn't have drawn this up because all I really want to do is help some people out. That's what I was going to go into medicine for. And, and uh, but I found what the Lord knew would be my thing because it. This mirrors my childhood. I mean, I grew up in a household. My great-grandmother didn't have a dad in my life. And so for a lot of my kids that are on my teams, they have the same kind of household. And I can't remember. Now, you might know more basketball, but you're not going to have a tighter relationship uh, with those kids because they know I'll do anything in the world for them. They do something wrong. They can't cause us to have disrespect in our family. But so, no, I love them. That, that's what I hang on. Yeah, you, you're having a tremendous impact. So for like we mentioned before on that is um, these kids are going to come back later on in their lives after they've uh, succeeded in various fields and so forth and, and really say thank you to them. So that to me, there's no price to that. Right, coach. There's no price to helping people out and having a big impact. Right. Well, and, and it's already happened, Kevin. I'm actually now coaching the kids of some of the people that I coached when I first started. So it's, <laughs> right, it's already sure. happening. And I, in fact, two of my, uh, three of my assistant coaches now all played for me. And uh, one of them, her daughter's playing with us right now, Brandy Clark. Uh, and she's got another daughter in the way. And, and my second daughter just started teaching and she's coaching with me. And then Crystal Davis, uh, who played with me with Brittany Hall several years ago was an, an all state player, big time. And, uh, played over at Southern Poly and then Chris, uh, Brittany Hall, who's assistant coach down at Clayton State and won a national championship with Coach Cox down there at Clayton State. She was the point guard on that team. Um, all of those, uh, I mean, you just, you don't, they come and, and those girls come and they, they do a, a good job of setting the tone for me about the expectation because we're just family. You never out the family. Once you become a part of our program, you're family for life. So good, bad, or, or indifferent, you're, you're family. Yeah, so true. And I appreciate you kind of sharing with me kind of the um, the process, what you guys believe in. That's what we're going to talk about here in a second. Hey, the new gym was built after you and Coach Gwen. Um, that's pretty amazing. Very few schools have two coaches that have reached 500 wins and you have been at the same school for so many years. That's pretty unusual. Congratulations. Hey, Randy. I'm here. All right. Great, great. Hey, kind of continue on what you were saying um, uh, about you talking about, you know, kind of the journey of all your kids, the impact you have on all your kids through the years and all the all you know, your your coaches, the people that you're teaching now are the kids of the players that you taught. Yeah, it's uh, it's been amazing. Man. You know, we have uh, kids going in lots of different 
uh, business. Uh, but uh, Janisha Pineda is the assistant coach up in Louisville uh, with uh, Jeff. And uh, Brittany, like I said, is the number two down at Clayton. And uh, Crystal's been with me, but she's ready to be a head coach anytime somebody <laughs> wants to get a really good coach, you know. So uh, uh, it's been it's been a blessing. Jason Smith coached me for a while, was a head coach over at South Cobb. Uh, he's not coaching now, but he's uh, probably going to surface again. He's got some young ones around the house, but he's probably going to surface again in it. And uh, I mean, it's just been an, uh, um, 15, 25 or so uh, assistant coaches, you know, over the years. And uh, Brenda Johnson has been with me. She stayed with me. But but I've got kids that are doctors, kids that are lawyers. Uh, I mean, and that to me, I mean, you want to make more money, but that's worth all the gold in the world. Uh, to me, Kevin, I, I, if, if kids are getting where they're supposed to be, I feel like uh, what I was supposed to do here that I've done that. And, uh, and I really am happy with that. Would like to win that state championship and they're all pulling for us <laughs> to get one. But I tell them the same thing I told you. Anytime that we get a class to graduate, like this year's class, I mean, one's going to Purdue, one's going to Livingstone, uh, two are going to Kennesaw. They're not all playing basketball, but they're great. Man, our team GPA this year, again, was 3.83. That's something I hang my hat on. Uh, kids aren't going to play basketball. I'm a science teacher by day, so I can't have somebody on the basketball team and not say I care about you and not care about your grades. So, I mean, most of the teams I think that we play, we probably – we would either be equal or above them academically, and, and I don't ever say that. I'm just telling you this, so I probably should put that <laughs> in the podcast. But I take pride in that, uh, and our kids take great pride in that because people sometimes they look at us and they don't really know what they're looking at. Yeah, it's uh, I don't think we take enough pride in the academic side of our because um, there's definitely a connection there, coach, right, with academics, athletics, success in life. Um, there's, there's definitely, yeah. I think, a, a great connection. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, even if you're going to be considered to have the privilege of playing after high school, I always I do the sermon to my kids. It's three areas. If you don't have academics, number one, then I don't care if you're great. There used to be a time where you used to get away with some stuff like that. And there's some back roads to trying to get yourself into better shape if you're not. But uh, off the top, you're not going to anybody's school without grades. And then if you got a lousy attitude, you're not a great citizen. I don't care if you're all world or no world. Who wants to put up with that? So uh, and then if you couldn't play, they wouldn't be considering you anyway. So those three areas you got to cover. And so I put a lot of time in those first two, because if you couldn't play, they're not going to ask you anyway. So let's make sure that if they do ask and if you are uh, worthy of that, that we give you the tools to make sure that when you get there and stay there, in terms of your, your citizenship and academics. Yeah, there's no doubt you're doing a great you're, I mean, you're definitely giving a great service to the um, to your kids and so forth. You're doing things the right way, coach. And I appreciate you sharing that. Coach, talk about the new gym that was named after you and Coach Gwynn. Very, very few schools that I know of, Coach, and I've been around Georgia a long time, have two 500 wing coaches. You guys have pretty much built the pro. You were the first coach in Campbell history. Talk about the pride you have in having that named after you guys. Yeah, I, I'm still uh, in, just shocked by that because obviously that was not something that was a, a plan or a goal and couldn't have been. It just is a, a, a testament to what God will do in situations that you don't have any control over. If you just, you know, commit yourself to him, try to do what's right. In spite of all that, God has found a way to uh, take care of us. And uh, James is a great family guy. You know, I'm a family guy. Uh, we just 
hand, keep your nose to the grindstone. And, you know, uh, this is year 34 for me at Campbell. For him, it's like uh, 29, so I call him the rookie. And uh, we just kind of, you know, uh, put the family spin on our stuff. Uh, he's a great basketball. You know, he, he coached at the college level. And, and so I take advantage of some of the ties and stuff that he's got. And we kind of knit with each other. You know, one of the things that uh, I also do, and this is probably it drives more, you know, on, uh, I'm, I've been a, a minister the whole time I've been teaching. I'm an associate minister at Baptist Church. So I try to do within the limits of what we're supposed to do. But, but the family thing and the caring about folks, that's just a natural thing. So it, it is definitely a calling. The gym thing, I have no explanation for that. I still think that <laughs> that's something that God just did. And uh, uh, I, I, it bothers me sometimes even to talk about. It. I just I can't believe it uh, that it happened. I'm grateful and uh, honored, to, truly humbled by it. But uh, I don't have an expert for that one. Yeah, and people, I mean, p- you know, people see what you have done and so forth, and that's a, a great credit to your um, durability for being at the same school. Most coaches move around a lot. Um, credit to your the kids that you're producing. You're you're producing some great overall kids and products out there that, hey, people recognize that. They know when there's a good coach doing a lot of good things. Um, coach, talk about the pandemic because it has affected us all. And I'm presuming it's affecting we're I'm out in Greensboro, Georgia, which is more out in the country a little bit. Right. Um, we're able to practice now, but yeah. we can't play play any other schools. Are you guys still limited far uh, or can you practice? You know which county you're in in the uh, Atlanta metro area, things are different. But I'm in Cobb, and for Cobb County, uh, officially, we are not allowed to practice. The only sports they've allowed to practice during this pandemic are fall sports. I mean, fall sports, I've been right? The whole time uh, that we've uh, had this going on, I, I haven't been. I've rode by it a couple of times, but I haven't even gone into gym. Volleyball, football, and uh, uh, softball, and cross country are the ones that's practicing cases with them. You know, there's a whole litany of things that we're supposed to do now. I've read through it and I know it if we were able to practice, but you know, normally what I do is June, uh, we play like a up in a couple of teams. So nobody complains about playing time. We, every local uh, camp we got around here is a night teams over. One of the places that we get. And, uh, and we do it all in June. So when we got through June, I pretty much for the summer, uh, what we have been doing is we've been meeting by Zoom, meet with them every Friday, and play with the upcoming middle school players at three o'clock. Allowed me to get to know them probably better on a personal level, and we talk about just about everything. Now their AAU teams are playing, so several of right, them sure. on AAU teams, which I found it funny because always I'm like, wait, hey, wait, are you safe where you're going? And like, yeah, coach, we play ball. We the sideline, we got to put a mask on. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? I mean, how's that? You're either in the bubble or you're not. So, you know, I'm sure that's right. trying to do. But uh, I do get to find out about them through that and uh, and watch. But, uh, you know, we just adjust. I mean, what do you do when when you don't have a, a point guard? You go to something that you can work with that'll help you get the ball up the court. Otherwise, you get beat. So we can't get to the gym, but we can't lose our family and we can't lose our communication. So we're on Zoom and uh, we talk about just about everything, to be honest with you about it. And I check on them. I want to make sure that, you know, that they're being safe and not going out to crazy things. And, 
they can ask me anything. In the middle school, people get the, you know, how crazy I am. Practice and respect them, but they know that I, I care about them. So we just adjust. But it has definitely made an impact. But I don't think we're by ourselves. I think we're all like that. The, the good thing for me is off of last year's uh, Final Four team is the majority of my players were sophomores. So hopefully, um, I mean, even if this season got wiped, and I'm hoping that it doesn't, but, you know, just facing reality, there's a lot that looks really – Looks bleak. I mean, if, if we they were to get a cure or something, we maybe got to get some winners to start late. But um, I mean, I got a great group of kids that uh, are with me right now, so I'm hoping that we'll get a chance to to get back to that. Yeah, coach. I, I mean, it's uh, that would be really. I, I don't think tragic's the right word, but um, you know, it, it, to have kids miss a season, I I guess we'll see in the fall, right? We yeah. should know pretty soon. Yeah. Whether they're going to play football and all that. What's your opinion? Do you think? Do you think the uh, we can work our way through it, or is it something that hey they're going to say hey no sports, um, everybody back to your homes? I mean, what do you yeah. think? Well, actually, you know, Georgia high school meeting right now as we speak at one o'clock today, and uh, they're supposed yeah. to come out with some decision. Uh, so we'll know something on a formal level that way. You know, I'm a science guy. Viruses are no uh, discriminators. They will go to care <laughs> who you are, what you look like, what color you are, what political party you belong to, what socioeconomics, and so on. get a handle on that, and and, and it is going to involve a lot of sacrifice, and, and and some folk don't want to do that, you know. And I get it, you know. It, it's hey, don't do this, but there are some things that we know from a science standpoint that really work. The mask thing is, is maybe inconvenient, but it works. And it works. Yeah. Thing, it, it might not be what we want to do. You know, it, we haven't been in our church since March. I mean, we go over on Saturdays. I do with the pastor and we record service on Saturday to play on Sunday. And is that what we want to do? No, but we've been meeting on Thursday nights and on Monday nights on zoom. So, so we got to take it serious and everybody hasn't done that. Um, some people, you know, their situation is such that they got to be out in it because the jobs they do bless their hearts. And they're, you know what they use this special word now, central workers. This just means they got their, their survival workers is what it is really. But sure. uh, we, we need to uh, take it serious, but I, I would not want to play basketball at the expense of somebody's life. I would want those kids that have to play. Uh, the tragedy, uh, as you said, which would maybe to me, is if we got together and started playing ball and then there were a few athletes that because of lost their life and got very badly sick, where they were not going to be the same afterwards, I would not want to be a part of anything. Yeah, and don't you agree, Coach? What I see, I see a lot of inconsistency. I, I do think, unfortunately, this virus has forced us politically to make some some really crazy moves. Yeah. The media, everybody is handling to me not not in the correct way. But, right. um, uh, I like. I mean, let's just take for example the travel team. I have kids that play on travel teams. Right. I don't agree with it either. If the Georgia high school is not playing right. ball, yeah. The, the travel team should be shut down, but that's yeah. my opinion. But yeah. because I think, you know, there are Georgia high school kids. I mean, right. so right. I do think there's some decisions being made that need to be reevaluated. Yeah. No, you and I are right on with that. Listen, I, I was trying to be nice, but if you ask me really what I think about that, I have a difficult <laughs> time because uh, I don't think that the thing that is being held 
the highest in that is the safety and the well-being of those kids. It's all about those programs. But I, I mean, I have difficult times sometimes with certain AAU coaches. I don't mind sharing that with you because um, <laughs> we, we don't, we don't see things the same way. Uh, you know, they'll take a kid that is flunking classes and don't care nothing about them and fly them somewhere, give them a pair of shoes. I'm playing a tournament and say, good job. And I say, no, I love you enough to tell you, look, until you get grades right. And I'm going to help you with those grades. We do every day i mean it makes my day right. live anywhere near my school but we do study hall from 3 30 to 5 30 every day we practice from 6 to 8 i want to but that's how we get those gpas because even the ones who don't i don't care if you're 4.0 or no 0 you're gonna be in study hall and, and they don't care for but the reason why we're doing it and they go with that so no i think if if the high school team's not playing i agree with you uh, I, that's why I was saying what I said. When a kid tells me we and we play, but when we come to the sideline, we got to put a mask on. What kind of reasoning is that? <laughs> but you're if you're on the court, you're either. But one of my kids told right. me they played the game. They went on the court during their games and they were playing. And when they came off that at the tournament they were in, they had to put a mask on. Like, what is the rationale? Because the time you were out there interacting with people, that's what you should have been worrying about. And then you come to the sideline. Okay, if it's somebody on your team, then on the way there, you're already in trouble. Don't think they have any kind of, of uh, outlook that's positive for kids. Yeah, and that, that goes to, I mean, do they really care about the kids? Because they're more than basketball players at this point. Um, if they truly care about their safety, and that's something that we got to look at. I think – to me, the Georgia high school should be – I think they should be tougher on those um, – I maybe I know they don't have control, but, hey, they got. I think somebody's got to have some different standards being set. Yep. But that's, that's a whole other podcast right there. But, um, right. Um, but I appreciate you, you uh, sharing with me about that. Uh, Coach, talk about – you face tough competition every year at Campbell. I mean, you got yeah. the Westlake, the yeah. teacher. Yeah. Uh, and – how do you compete against those teams? I mean, day in, I mean, every almost every week you got a tough, you got a tough opponent. Yeah, uh, sometimes not very well, but uh, <laughs> I mean, they're they're good, you know. But but one thing about it, playing good competition gets you better. I will say that. And so, I mean, don't really uh, fear anybody because you're right. They do see the West Lakes, and we go up to Tennessee and we'll play Bradley Central. Uh, which is, a, you know, State Power, my good friend up there, Coach Reuter, invites us up, tolerates us up there, so we get to see some of those. And, and, and that's kind of what we want. You know, Pebble Brook is in our region, and they've been very good. And we lose Westlake this year out of our region, and I'm thinking, okay, things get better, and we get McEachern back. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's like, sure. uh, well, uh, but, but I think competition is good. You know, uh, Phyllis does a great job over there. She has a lot of horses come through that uh, program. And so you know what you're going to see night in and night out, or you have an idea of what it's going to be like. And then uh, um, Hilda is a good friend as well, just like Gene, Gene Durden. Gene uh, is the one that's the reason why I was able to be the head coach of the uh, North All-Star. He and I go way back, man. I mean, we've been friends forever. He's kind of looked out. That's another one I call on and ask about stuff and bounce things sure. off of. So you want to play people like that. We were, we were talking about actually trying to play – um, them as well, and I may have to uh, reschedule games even if, if we get to play this year because I don't think – I heard something about the possibility of not being able to go out of state. I know football got games right. canceled for out of state, and so I have three schedules, like I told you, with Bradley Central, and if that happens, then uh, we may get to play 
uh, Buford and uh, Gene and those and, and get a chance. We, we go to a summer camp a lot of times and play over there because that's what you want. I mean, you, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to pick up some other games. Uh, it, it, you don't want to play everybody that's, you know, number one, two, or three. I'm a, I'm a North Carolina Tar Heel fan. I'm just a Tar Heel by birth. And my son, this is how I know God has a sense of humor because my son is a Duke fan. I'm like, how did that happen? And uh, <laughs> so, uh, right. but, um, but you know, you don't, you don't want to play people like that caliber every night, but you do want to, you don't want to take measurements to see where you are. So, you know, before you get to that time at the end of the season, here's what we need to work on. And so one of the things about playing, I mean, we played uh, Westlake, the closest games they had, for the last couple of years, nobody, I mean, we were within six points. We were actually ahead in one game, just couldn't finish the deal because they had such great players. And we just, you know, all it takes is one mistake or two against them, and we made them, and, and they capitalized on them. But I'm, gra- I'm glad to be able to say that, you know, we played with them, and our kids didn't fear them. Our kids actually kind of took it, you know, like, hey, but, you know, the score might not show it some nights, but they weren't out there like, hey, we're in awe. They were like, you know, we got them, and this is what we got to do. And, and they knew when we messed up. So it's uh, it's a great uh, when you play great programs like that, they definitely are going to make you better. And uh, and if you don't come and play your best game, they'll they'll make you think about it too. Yeah, I love. I mean, that says a lot about you and your program. And that is, uh, you're not you're not afraid of playing teams that are better, uh, because ultimately that prepares you more for the state tournament. Like you were saying, right? Right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you want to be you want to be in the hunt and. Uh, uh, the only way you can do that, you got to play the people that are, are going to be consistently there. And so, you know, just by default, we got Westlake three times for the last four years. And we end up playing them in the region championship the last two years. And, uh, uh, I mean, you know, so we're region runner-ups, but uh, we're runner-ups behind the eventual state champion. So, I mean, that's nothing to, to be, you know, ashamed of. And then the year before, I mean, we're we're like uh, third. Actually, we, we've been three years of region runner-ups. So, it's like, it's not bad. It's not bad. And, yeah, it does prepare you. It does. Yeah, I mean, that's unfortunate. Yeah, you got to be in, in the same as Westlake. But to be honest with you, it's actually a great achievement to play at that level up to Westlake. So I think a lot of schools, a lot of coaches know how good your program is. Uh, talk about your new region that you're in, because um, I think there are some readjustments even at the 7A level. And then kind of give us kind of a, a scattering reporter on your team this year. What do you think of your team? Well, uh, the new region, we lost Wheeler. And Westlake, they both went down to 6A uh, and uh, not too disappointed about that with both of them because they're tough. <laughs> uh, but we picked up, as I told you, uh, McEachern. So still in our region, you have East Coweta, you have Noonan, Pebblebrook, Campbell, and McEachern. That's our region now. So, you know, yeah. I think probably coming yeah. in, McEachern is, is probably somebody that folks would think would be the team to beat. Uh, they would be one of the ones in there. And Pebblebrook certainly – uh, it has a, a great squad coming back as well. Uh, Noonan and East Coweta both got new coaches, and they had fairly young teams uh, last year. So I think our region is going to be pretty competitive with the five teams that are in it. We're only down to five. We had, you know, the seven A, and then uh, we're down to five now. So you you got eight games to decide uh, where you sit in the region, and you got a region tournament to decide, you know, how you. Who goes? Do. Yeah. yeah, so uh, I think that's yeah. it. Uh, as far as team-wise, we lost some really, really good players. The Austin sisters, uh, for me, are phenomenal kids. They're just they're phenomenal athletes. But might not might not be aware that there are seven of these daughters. Uh, 
all of them are athletically inclined, but they're very good kids. Their mom runs a very tight ship. Their dad uh, passed away several years ago, so I immediately gravitated to them because I know what it's like not to have a dad in it. And they are phenomenal. We lost all of them. They're state champions in track. Uh, in fact, our track team won by one of the largest, maybe the largest in history of track and field by over 50 points. So usually you win by 15 or 20, but they won first and second in uh, 100 First and second in the 200. They were first and second, or first and third in the four by one. First and third, or first and fourth in the four by four. They won every running event, and these sisters were a big part of that. They were almost in all of those uh, in the field events, even. So uh, you can't replace that kind of speed. We lost that, but along with them, we did have quite a few sophomores that were in our uh, lineup. In fact, everybody who played with them was sophomores. Uh, I, I will at most I'll have two seniors. Uh, but the majority of the kids that we have will be juniors out of that group, and they all play with them. And you know, my next four or five in were sophomores as well. So, I mean, we should be competitive. All I can ever ask is to be competitive. And, you know, we got to put the work in for what else happens after that. But uh, uh, we should be able to compete with folks, and, and uh, that that'll make us happy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm hearing you. Sometimes you're kind of, kind of fading out just a little bit. Uh, I just want to make okay. sure I hear you. Uh, that's perfect right there. Um, hey, I love what you said about your kids having great speed because I read an article about you that when you first came in, I think all your kids had to run track. That's a big part of your program, right? Yeah, it was. It wasn't, it wasn't, are you going to, it's like, what are you going to run? Well, uh, <laughs> the, the story behind that was, you know, my first year that I took over the program, uh, I followed Cheryl Fowler, you know, who was a great girl, women's coach at Camden, went on over to McEachin. And uh, I was a ninth grade boys coach and got to talk with Coach Fowler. And she, she went through all the rig and roll and she left me with quite a few girls, but uh, we, I didn't get them until the end of the summer. So I didn't get to do any work. I got the job at the end of the summer, the same year that Cliff Collins and Clark Bowler, we all three came in. As head coaches, you know, Cliff at South Cobb and Clark over at Osborne and Clark, bless his heart, has passed on. But he worked with me at Will. So I was pretty close with all of those guys. But the second year, the first year we went 10 and 12. And uh, and the story is, is like when uh, they came to ask me about coaching the girls basketball team. It's not the story. It's actually true. Um, I was coaching the ninth grade boys team. I was an offensive backfield coach for the football varsity football team. And then I coached track and field. And so I was happy doing that. And also I taught five science classes, which, you know, the other coaches pretty much were, were PE, nothing with it, because I, I like <laughs> PE. I taught PE extended day one day, but it's a different set of labs than it is, you know, being in the jail times. Uh, they came to me and they actually asked me uh, to take the girls' basketball job. I never really was going to apply for it. And, uh, you know, I was very young and, and Kevin extremely dumb and not knowing anything at all before – I knew what I said. Miss Cochran asked me about it. And the girls had just finished like a 22 and three season. But I knew they were nice. going to hear that we had finished. Um, you know, uh, we had put the two schools together. We were Smyrna. And so Cheryl was looking to go take over the McEachin program and uh, was going to leave, you know, who was there. But wasn't a whole lot. I mean, the, they weren't bad, but it just wasn't a whole lot. It wasn't like that 22 and, and three team. And I was winning a ninth grade boys uh, championship in Cobb County. And I was satisfied with that, to be honest with you about it. And I uh, had never really thought much about even being a head coach. So Miss uh, Cochran and Miss Whaley came to ask me about it. I said, uh, Miss Cochran, I would rather watch paint dry on a wall than to coach a girls basketball team. And uh, thank God they didn't listen to me. And she's like, coach, she said, listen, you can build it the way you want to build it. 
and we'll we'll support you. And I was like, uh, and so the first year, you know, 10 and 12, okay, well, okay, we didn't get to do summer camp. But that next year, Kevin, is what really made me go back and say, see, I told you, because we went one and 21. And it didn't right. seem like there was anything I could do to change our outcome. So, you know, about midway through the season, I just started dressing up because we're not going to beat anybody. So I'm trying to feel good about myself. Just dress up a little bit. Try to look good because we're not going to beat anybody. And I didn't give up on them. We kept running. But we couldn't run. We couldn't jump. And we couldn't shoot. And, you know, that's a pretty bad combination. Uh, about good <laughs> yeah. kids. Not great kids. But we just couldn't do yeah. any of those. So at the end of that season, I made a, a decision. I said, so here's the deal. Everybody's going to play girls basketball from here on out is going to run tracks. Not are you going to run? And I at that time, I had big Chris Moore, so I'm the biggest player I've ever had. She was 6'5", and uh, Khalila Terry, who was 6'3 and a half, and then Brandy Clark, who plays for me now, I had four, three or four six-footers. Leslie McGrath, who played at Georgia State, was a uh, uh, all-tack conference player down there as a freshman and, and a couple of years down there, but just a bunch. So they all ran track. And we went from being one and twenty-one to five and seventeen to thirteen and ten, twenty-one and five, twenty-seven and three, and we got it rolling. And so uh, when Coach Gwen came, they asked me; they wanted him to be the the girls' coach. And I said, "Well, you know, I really was doing this to kind of basketball, but I really basketball. I gave up the head track. He came, and uh, but but I still encouraged and recommended my girls. And by that time, they got the message about the kind of you know competition and training doing, and so. That helped us. It really had a tremendous impact. So I have a great love for track and field. It, it was the thing that helped us, uh, I think, get on the track that we got. And, and all of my kids, some of them, not everybody ran. Some of them threw the discus, some shoot through the shot. But, you know, we got some training in while they were out there anyway. So uh, it was a blessing. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the conditioning and the training and the discipline of track and field, I don't think a lot of people realize what it takes to be a good runner, but um, you think that has faded away with the um, uh, with the uh, the travel teams and so forth. Kids are running less track and field. What do you see? Yeah, it has faded away some. Uh, even at that time, I had kids playing at AU. It's, it's it's all in how you frame it. But yeah, I think kids specialize a little too much, and I think that's also why you see so many injuries. Because back, you know, I'm a country boy. Back in our day, we played everything. But see, when you do that, you use different. Right. And just doing that one thing year round, uh, it makes you susceptible to having uh, a rash of injuries and things like that. But yeah, there's some back and way of that. I still push it. Um, just like I'm telling you, the Austin kids are a great sale. I didn't really have to sell it because when people would see them, you know, stuff that they might not have done well in basketball, they could compensate for because if you made a steal, you couldn't outrun them with the basketball, you know, and uh, and they were smart. They weren't they weren't like uh, just just running. Uh, how the game was supposed to be played. And so I've sold a lot of them. If they don't run track, what they do is they get a speed and agility. You don't have to be born. Um, you can get fast, a quick one of them. Understand that it takes work to put in. So whatever it takes to get there, uh, I'm good with that. If they run track, I go watch them. If they run track, if they're doing speed and agility, I want to know about it. And I, I... 
Hi, this is Kurt Gilsdorf, Clackamas Community College Women's Basketball, formerly Oregon City High School Girls Basketball. And as a veteran coach, I'm always looking for new ideas, new things to listen to, somewhere I can improve my coaching. And I've discovered the Championship Vision podcast from Kevin Furtado, and it has become my number one go-to podcast each and every week. Kevin brings in guests that provide a unique perspective, whether it's on X's and O's, philosophy, drill work, whatever it might be. Uh, he's going to get something out there that's going to help me as a coach get better. And I think that's what we should all be doing as coaches is helping each other get better. Uh, Kevin himself is, is always hungry to learn. You can sense that in his podcast. And so, again, I can't recommend it highly enough. Championship Vision Podcast, Kevin Furtado, keep up the great work. Sometimes we'll try to provide a space in our gym if we can do that. If there's uh, time for it and, and it doesn't conflict with other sports going on, we have so many now. That's another thing. There's so many more sports going on uh, than when I first started. You know, it's pretty much football, basketball, uh, and baseball, and, and, you know, maybe some soccer uh, and tennis and stuff like that. But now, man, we've got, you name it, we've got lacrosse, and we've got, you know, it's just a lot. Yeah, we, sports for girls particularly have really kind of uh, picked up over the years and so forth. I, I do believe what track and field does. I don't think – Overall, I think um, on the female, and I've always coached girls, uh, mechanics of running, I think, needs a lot of training. I think we underestimate that as coaches, that a kid can just naturally move. Right. I think you have to train it. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, I'll tell you one sport that I've, I've been won over to that I think helps with that. If a kid plays soccer, I have found that their, their foot speed and their foot skill uh, – is a good transfer over into basketball. So I'm now, uh, uh, I sign on to that. If they don't run track, they play soccer, number one, I know the condition is going to be good, but they learn how to maneuver that ball and to set things and mark people up and stuff like that. Um, I, I see some value in that. But, yeah, if you don't have one of those two, you actually have got to do that. And I still try to have, you know, trainers come in that I know of. we got a strength conditioning coach at our school. I would have him come in a couple of days a week and, and actually work with our kids on the conditioning part. You know, I, I don't have an ego when it comes to that. I want to win. So if I got people around me that I know are like experts in this, why wouldn't I take advantage of that and bring them in and let them help us get better? I, I totally agree. And I think if you're not doing that nowadays, Coach, you're way behind. Yeah. So that you're, you're definitely ahead of it. Coach, talk now let's go into your what you call the process of Campbell Girls Battle, Lady Spartans. Um, you mentioned uh, three things to me, and I want you to discuss each one and how that leads you into just forming a better team that, where the kids get a lot out of it. Yeah, so it's real important uh, before you do any X's and O's. Uh, and I used to, when I first started coaching, I used to go down to Georgia Tech to watch the uh, state championship games. And I would sit down at the end where a lot of the old head coaches that have retired sit and just listen to them talk about how you ought to handle this and how you ought to handle that. And that's great if you had the kind of players that are on the floor <laughs> that's out there. <laughs> but if you don't have the kind of players that were out there on the floor and if they don't have that bond or chemistry, I think the chemistry bond is something that is is greatly overlooked because we just assume if we come and say, hey, we got this, this uh, thing we're going to work together on and we need you to come together. If you don't teach them how to do that, because we're coming from different backgrounds and you don't know what a kid has been exposed to and you don't know what they what they've been in lack of. And so I spend probably the majority of my time 
uh, really in the beginning of the season and in the summertime when we get to do it. That's really what I'm working on is chemistry. And so we do things by getting to know people. And, and so, hey, when you talk to so-and-so, just think, listen what you said. I know you, you might have not meant it like this, but, but let me say it to you this way and just see if you can hear anything different. And a lot of times, that, sometimes that's all it takes is just that interaction. And, or if somebody really screws up, I'll give them some time to cool down, and then they're going to have to apologize to their teammates, you know, because we're trying to build young adults. And we're trying to teach responsibility. And, and they got to know that they can trust me, that I'm not trying to embarrass them. You know, early on in coaching, I would tell you, I probably did a horrible job of communicating what I wanted to them because, you know, I was a young guy, probably fiery and feisty. I was passionate, but maybe everybody else didn't like the way that I expressed my passion because, you know, a kid would do something wrong. I immediately was yelling at him now. So now, you know, uh, maybe it's because it slowed down a little bit too. want is to communicate hey here's what you did wrong what what have we been talking about what are you supposed to do and if they can communicate to me that they know what went wrong they just made a mistake i'm good with that okay hey, let's go if they don't or if they uh you know brush me off on the sideline now that's when you're gonna hear a horn blow you don't do that because you're being something that you know we don't do in our family so uh, the first thing is, is that attitude and that part of the process is that that attitude helps us build chemistry. Because see, if you catch an attitude with me, you're going to catch it with your teammates. And these are the people you work out with every day. So you're not allowed. We don't allow that. Uh, the, one of our rules is if a teammate makes a mistake, uh, your job is to pick them up. I got enough coaches that will correct them and, and, and do all those things. So you're not, that's not your job to be somebody. Somebody makes a mistake, the last thing they need you to do is to say, hey, you dummy, you screwed up. They already know that. They already feel bad about it. Uh, because we're competitive. So we need you to go over and say, hey, shake it off. I got you. Play hard enough to make up for that. So that that part of our thing helps me by the time we get around to worrying about what presses or half-court defenses or offenses, and and we've gone to the five-out offense because, you know, there was a strand in there where we weren't getting just what I would call a true point guard. And, and, and even when we did, we don't want everybody standing around. So it allowed us to create some movement. So we work on that chemistry and that attitude those two aspects to me are like essential. Like when, when we can't do that anymore, I think those transfer over into life force. Yeah, absolutely, coach. And you're, you're, you're trying to develop leaders, right? And that's something that you gotta, your culture has to be done every day. And I'll give you an example. Like today in our workouts, um, we had a quiet group in there. A lot of my girls were doing, uh, they had other responsibilities, and I had a group of six in there. We were working out, but they, they were a very quiet group. So we're trying to get them more vocal in a sense that sometimes you have to not only lead by example, but you have to lead by voice. Yes. Um, because, right, we're, t- we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to teach leadership. Is that what you, is that you, I know you guys are doing the same thing. Yeah, that's it. And, and, and one of our big things you just mentioned is communication. Uh, we said there's uh, two types of, of teams that are quiet on the floor. And those are uh, selfish teams and bad teams. And so I always ask in practice a thousand times, which one of those you want to be? Uh, and so the answer right. obviously better be no, neither one of them. So we really work on that and we teach that, you know, after if you don't, if every time we pass the ball when they're on defense, if you're not yelling ball, you know, we'll, we'll stop in practice and it's push up time, you know, not because I want more to do, but because I want you to understand that's not negotiable. I mean, there's certain things that are not negotiable. That's one of them, you know, so, so I just try to reaffirm that. And yeah, leaders do that. You know, if you're going to lead, lead. And if you're not, then jump in and follow the one that is leading, help make this plan work. So, yeah, absolutely. We're trying to develop leaders and communicate 
it's, it's a very important part of leadership. Yeah, coach. And talk, and your third one you gave me was th- having the kids think through the game. I really love that because I don't, I don't think we, I, I don't think we do enough on really teaching the details of the game. So our players literally become coaches on the floor. Heck, your, your former players are now coaches. So obviously you believe in that. Right. Well, by the end of the season, my goal now is I shouldn't have to call an offense or a defense. You ought to know what our main offenses are and, and which ones will emphasize an advantage or which ones we have a disadvantage on. And I pretty much lean to that. I mean, very seldom will you see me late calling an offensive play. Um, I might call the defenses, uh, but even some of those, if if they're like feeling good about something and, and I say, I want to go to this, and they say, coach, we got, okay, then I'll yield that because that tells me you have done a lot of thinking about what we're doing. We spend time talking about, here's what you run this against and why. And so, you know, this, this generation, different from the generation that I uh, grew up in, I'm probably a little older than you, Kevin, I, I would guess. You know, I'll be 58 in August. <laughs> and, so, uh, and so I'm from the generation of, you know, kids are seen and not heard. And so we were told to do stuff. We did it. You know, my grandma would tell me to go get my own switch. I didn't question that. I cried on the way there and it didn't help me because I was going to have to cry afterwards when she finished with me. But I did that. But today's kids, they want to know why. And, you know, that's why it's important to teach. Here's what go, here's what you do against a one, three and one. And why? Here's why. Here's what you do against a man. The man is up in your face. And why? Here's what you do when a team is sitting back in a zone. And why? And, and so it, once I give you a couple of those options and we we're playing games through the year and at the end of a game, every post game, that's that's our post game. We talk about, OK, so what did they do? And, and what could we have done better? What should we have done? In fact, I have every player go through at the end of every game. They got to tell me what they did better, what they could have done better. Tell me something you did good. You know, if you did something good and then have their teammates. You know, we, we, we got to build a family. So I can't build that if I'm the only one doing all the evaluation and all the talking. Now, we don't have it right. Yeah, I got to be the one to bring the fire. I'm the, I'm the dad in the family. No doubt about that. And they know that. And my assistant coaches are on that same level. They don't disrespect my assistant coaches if they do then I allow them to run a snot out of them. So it, it's a respect that we develop. But you got to have kids thinking that, you know what, my coach trusts me. My coach is a thinker. He doesn't just think I'm out here running, and, and I do. You know, so they they come, and and uh, that's why we, we stress that study all. I want some smart folk and uh, who can help figure it out. So be one, but they together would say, hey, no, 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 I got this. I can take her. Let's run. Okay, so – that's what you want. You want kids to be independent. You know, we don't want them to go out in life thinking they got to sit in a desk at a school and, and wait for somebody to tell them how to do something. We want them to be able to go out and figure it out. Yeah, I love that. And it sounds like to me, Coach, you're, you're asking a lot of questions. And I think as coaches, I think we're all guilty of telling kids what to do rather than asking them what to do, right? And kind of say, hey, do you know it or do you know it? If not, we're going to teach you better. Right. Yeah. And that's something I really had to grow into, Kevin, because as I told you, I am a, a Baptist minister and preachers love to talk. So I had to <laughs> I had to go back and say, wait, why am I doing all the talking? Why am I hoarse the first week of practice? Because I'm talking too much. So why don't I let them scrimmage and let them let them figure it out and then ask. And my coaches have been really great in, in regard helping me. And I tell them, you know, I. Be coaches, listen, if you see something, I want you to tell me and question me why. Ask why. Like, if I can't tell you why, maybe I don't know why we're doing it. Maybe we need to change it. 
so so they help in that regard. It builds a, a family from all those levels. I, I wouldn't have anybody around those kids as assistant coaches that I didn't think, you know, we're good people and, and that if I'm not there for whatever reason, could step in. So I want them to know why. If they don't know why, then what happens one night if I'm sick at home with the flu or if I can't make it or something or something happens, you know, the, the, the thing goes on. It's not about me. It's about our process. It's about our family. That process includes my coaches. So they, they're held to the same level that I – I'll tell them you're making practice schedule today. Here's what we got to cover. You decide how we're going to do it, and you bring and we write we and we try to stay on. You know, some sometimes that works. Sometimes you know things don't go, and we got to go off script. That we're working from, and and it works. Yeah, and I love that, and and it sounds like to me, coach, that you literally let's say that that you couldn't make it to a practice and there was nobody there, literally your kids, to me, a sign of a good program. If the coach wasn't there, the, the players could actually run that practice. Absolutely. They know exactly how to start. Uh, they know what we're going to do. In fact, uh, in the summertime, uh, when we're doing the, you know, the last day of school, normally is our first day of practice. It's a tradition. And so this is one of the first times okay. we ever didn't do that. So when everybody else is getting out of their last exam and going home at 3.30 when school ends, between 3.30 and 4 o'clock, the girls are in the gym and they're ready to go. And there have been some years where I would be like, hey, y'all, no, nah, coach, you know, we got to start practice. Yes, okay, all right, all right. So even when I might have uh, thought otherwise, and then just actually getting on the court, they know what the first few drills are going to be. They know how to start it. I don't have to say anything. They'll bring the balls out. Uh, I have managers. I've been blessed to have some really great ones and uh, that work with my trust. And have my keys and do stuff. They come in the uh, gym and they already know, so they they know how it's supposed to be. So you're right. That's a sign of a good co a good culture and a good program right there. Uh, and I'm not sure. That's something I guess you learn over the years, Coach. Like you said, when you were young, you probably would never do that. Neither would I. Right. So uh, right. now you, you, you understand that it's a player-first program. Yeah, well, you know, it's kind of like even my teaching. I had to grow in that. You know, I retired uh, three years ago. They blessed okay. me to allow me to, to work part-time. I teach, I still get to teach two classes. I'm done every day at 1130. And nice, uh, the last couple nice. of years, I, I would go over to Grace <laughs> Christian School and I would teach a, a, a science class over there because my good buddy was the headmaster over there. And then I'd come back in the afternoon for study hall and for practice back to Campbell. So I'd go from, I live in Hiram, uh, Georgia, and I'd go over to Smyrna and then I'd come back to Powder Springs, which is next to higher. I'm not close to the school at all. And I go back to the school for um, for study hall and practice. And sometimes I don't have to go for study hall because my assistant coaches take care of it. So I can come back at six o'clock and start practice and come back on those. But, you know, it just varies from time to time. So so I got some really good ones on those. But, yeah, it it is what you want it to be. And uh, uh, when I first started off, what I was going to tell you as a teacher, I, my biggest fear was for a kid to ask me something that I didn't know. But in science, nobody knows at all. If, if I knew what I knew now, I would love for them to ask those questions because now we can go look it up. And the uh, same thing with playing basketball uh, and same thing with coaching right now. You know what? If they ask me something and I don't know the answer, then we need to talk about that. And, and there are some things. Guess what? I'm not going to know the answer. And I'm not I'm not I'm not all about that. I'm all right with that right now, because that allows me to grow as a coach. You get to where you can't learn anymore. It's time to give this thing up. And uh, I'm still, uh, man, listen, on a game night right now, I'm still as eager as I was 
about got us involved with Pop Warner. We play games at 8 o'clock at night on Saturdays. I would get up at 6 o'clock on Saturday morning and put my uniform on and wear that. Now, who knows now if I knew what I do now. I probably didn't need to be around folks probably where I smell, but I just love the game that much, and I still feel like the game. I'm at class, and I tell the girls, the best way to focus, go to class, take your mind off what we got to do. So I still get excited about that. But, yeah, it's a great way. And I did grow into it. I wasn't that way in the beginning. Yeah, for sure. And it sounds like you really love teaching, Coach. If you're going to another campus to teach science, man, we need more science teachers in this, in our country anyways. But um, you got to tell you, you felt like you really take a lot of pride in, in your teaching as well as your coaching. As I always think we're teachers first. That's yeah, my that's my. Listen, if you see a good coach, he's a good teacher. And uh, I know sometimes there's some – I've been in my school for 20 years, and uh, I'd be in some of those meetings where some of the other department heads had coaches in their department, and they would talk down about them. So, you know, I had to uh, take issue with that. My righteous indignation got stirred when you did that because <laughs> you don't know what those coaches do, and uh, you you just do what happens in the classroom. And some of them don't even call the kids' parents to communicate with them like you know, something like that up but you know we don't get that luxury we're always communicating because you have to and and you ought to that's what we're in the business of kids and you ought to you know be letting folks know what you're doing with their kids if you're not talking to them about what you're doing with their kids i mean what what are you doing that you don't think you ought to have an accounting of and so uh yeah teaching is is a calling uh it is i i was not trying to be a teacher i was going to be a medical doctor i probably would have made a few more coins but i'm not money oriented I believe God showed me that this was, you know, what I thought he And I stayed at this station and I don't feel like I've worked at least, I don't feel like I've really worked a day in the 34 years. Now, there have been some moments. I don't want you to think it's been a lot about man, where I felt, you know, wow. But but if I look at it overall, I don't I don't feel like I've really worked. It's hard for me to even sit here and tell you that it's been 34 years because it doesn't seem like it. I mean, I feel like, you know, I did on day one when I got out there with that ninth grade boys basketball team. We were going shirts and skins and so much so that, you know, without even thinking, I'm just a I'm just a creature of habit. You know, my first uh, practice with the girls, I go in without even thinking. I say, All right, we're going to go shirts and skins. I'm like and they look at me and today they still tease me. But I'm like. Oh, my God, they're going to fire me on day one. They're like, we know what you mean, coach. I'm like, oh, my God, those those girls that were part of that team, to this day, they still call me and need me back. Coach, you still trying to get the girls? Ah, shut up. You know what I meant. So it's, it's just <laughs> – Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, and you can tell it in your voice. You, you still got – that. Isn't that the key? You, you still got – even though as we get older, yeah, you still better have that – That you better look forward to that that next practice, that next game. I that's and of course, if you don't have it, that's probably a sign that hey, maybe it's you need to step off. But yeah. it sounds like I know it sounds like you still have it, Coach. Yeah. Talk about your system. Talk about your Spartan system. From from talking to some coaches, you guys are a fast, aggressive, up tempo system. Kind of give us a breakdown on what you guys do defensively and how that how that connects with your offense. Well. Uh... Without giving away too many trade secrets, we want to know, you know, first of all, we want to challenge everybody with the basketball. I mean, um, we spend the majority of our time, if you come to our practices, uh, uh, one of the guys, first of all, we work, we run the pack line and a half uh, court defense. And we've just gotten to that over the last five to seven years. And we've really gotten better at it. I mean, the first couple of times we tried to do that, we played man. I mean, we played other things. 
But our, our goal is that you can't be on the court for us if you can't play defense. I mean, you got to be able to defend somebody. Uh, you might not be able to defend everybody, but you gotta you gotta prove to me that there's something you will contribute to us defensively. And I ain't got to guess about that. You'll consistently give us that. So if you come to our practices, you'll know what we emphasize because the the start of our practices. That's what you were talking about earlier. They would know what to start with. Uh, the start of our mm-hmm. practices is defensively focused because that's what we want to do. So uh, and then we'll work on you know well what if a team does this to what the same thing to us? What do, what do you do against that? So we we work on the counter to things you know and so so I could literally not walk in the gym and they would start out you know we used to do the slides and and we do trapping drills and we do closeout drills we start with closeout drills we talk about different types of closeouts and and then that goes right into on the court because a lot of our offense comes off of our defense I mean you'll see us playing and we're not running helter skelter I know sometimes people will uh, try to discredit what happens but you know if you got if you got athletes and you got horses you should you play to their strengths and uh, right. we can play in a half court set. We can play half court defense, and we do. But um, can you run with us if we were if we turn this into a track meet? Can you do that? Now, now, not every year do I have the Austin speed. We won't have the Austin type speed this year. Last year, there was literally no team in the state of Georgia who had three girls as fast as what we had. They're state champions, so I know that at the biggest division, you might have had one. You might even have had two, but not three that could run at the level they. Had. I mean, they all got track scholarships. That's and they, but they wanted to play basketball and they did and I allowed them so uh, when you don't have you got to adjust so there's some things we do you know we've got different levels of presses presses we've got mid-level presses and we've got up in your face presses and and some years, some of them are better for us than others. And so um, our process is figuring out number one which of those things we can do best normally the summer is where I get to figure that out so this year it's going to be <laughs> yeah. so I got you know I get to I get to see, I mean, we'll work some whenever, if we get to get in there, we'll work some whenever they give us the freedom to, to get in the gym and go forever we'll work on that. But uh, it's starting right. and knowing the rules about not gambling. We don't, we, we really gamble on presses. You know, when you see us, there are some strict rules that you better follow or, or some. Those is protecting the paint. I mean, the, the pack line rule is, you know, it's not about, guarding you in the paint is if you get in the paint, we, we punish that because, because the shot selection, uh, a little bit more difficult to get farther away from the rim. Being on a boys or girls team, beat somebody shooting all threes. Man, it never happens. And so, it, we're not going to give you them second and third shots. It's really where people beat folks. So, you know, we, we work on, uh, out that's very important in our defense because every defense has got to end with a box out so if we right. play defense and then you turn around and you stand there and somebody gets that ball we're going to like it's a staple of our program we don't want I mean, why would we work that hard to get you to do something that you don't want to do and then give you the ball to give you another chance to do it you might get better at the second time and uh you know an example of that be like Wesley. turn ability to make them turn the ball over we stood around and and didn't finish the deal and they made us pay for it so i use that uh you might know uh, a lot to say well remember what happened when we did this with them you turn you we were able to turn them over and uh, make them throw the ball away but then uh when it came time for those second shots we didn't do a good job of boxing out and here's your ball game six point game so yeah the the the, the process itself is starts with full court pressure we're going to press uh, there's no doubt about that. We, you know, some people are like, well, why? Right, no, we, we're going to press. You ain't got to guess about it. We're going to 
It's just how we're going to press. We have about, you know, eight or nine different ones that we do, and we spend time working on that. And, you know, you, you can't be good at everything, so that's where practice really becomes fun. We just drill, drill, drill. Uh, and, and I do very little scrimmaging in practice. So by the time they get to the game, Pit Bulls that have been on a chain, uh, they, they really <laughs> want to go, and, and I think that's the key to it. Because, and I do that because of personality sometimes, too, because when we do scrimmage, I want a high level of competition. And so if they don't scrimmage really, really well, then I'm, I'm, I end up running them a lot, and I don't want to do that. So we just drill, 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 and talk about what the focus of that drill is and what you should be doing and where about to be on. It has helped us over the years. Every now and then, I, I might get some boys and bring them in, and uh, the ninth grade team, we might scrimmage against them and, and hope that they will, you know, outrun us and outjump us and show me why I need to have everybody boxed out and stuff like that. They emphasize the points and all. So we just drill, drill, drill. Uh, and we go from full court back to half court. The transitions are very important because often the game is played in the half court. It's not, it's in transition. It's going from offense to defense. So I spend a lot of time going over those. And that's how we drill. We drill, drill, drill. Yeah, coach. And, and- T- tell me this, because everybody's different. Are you a pressure team where um, some, some school, like we're, we're, we're a trapping team and we like to get out at our level, single A level, we like to trap. But there's a lot, of, you can still apply pressure on the ball without ever trapping just by the ball pressure and maybe some denial in the passing lanes. But most most teams don't handle the ball great. How do you apply pressure? Yeah, so if we're not pressing your plan, there's pressure. You're never going to walk the ball up the court on us. If you see a game where somebody's walking the ball up the court on campus, the is sick or something's wrong. We never are <laughs> that to happen. You're you're not. So we the whole time, and I told you we're in the pack line. Used to play denial, and uh, and we had and when I had great size on the inside, where if you beat us and went back door, I had some. We can play that, and we and we do. Like we're behind, and we need to be, you know, have the ball. We might go to more of that. We're we probably don't put as much time in it because we have great success with the pack line. But we we played denial, but we're more of a pressure on the ball at all times. There's no time when the ball should not be pressured with us. If we're not in a full court, we're going to be in a three-court or a half-court press type situation. We're not going – in other words, my, my view of defense is to disrupt. I don't want right. to see any of the plays that you've been working on all week. If you get to run any of those plays, we have failed. My, my whole goal is for you to figure out, well, wait, I can do this. If I do this, they do that. They do this, and you're on anything that you've been – situation where you have to practice. So are you, let's say you're playing Westlake and you got to face Raven Johnson, who's one of the best around point guards. Are you focusing on disrupting her or you're taking away maybe, you know, one of their actions, maybe their post-up action, maybe their (laughs) screening action. What do you focus on the action or the player? Well, in the Westlake example, I wish that we had the luxury of just focusing on Raven. But, you know, they got <laughs> the big girl inside who's 6'5". One of the games, uh, we put our best defender, obviously, on Raven. And then uh, I have some really athletic girls that we uh, we try to take away things on the inside. Because really where they hurt you is Raven, can she can score when she wants to. You got to have somebody on her and somebody looking to help when she gets around them. 
But you got to also make sure you don't let the big girl push anybody up under the basket because she's very good about getting the ball over her head and going up. So what we do is we try to we try to keep them out of the paint. That's why I do the pack line. Because even though Raven's a great player, if we keep her from getting in the paint by stepping up, taking charges, and we did a good job with that in, in one of the games, and, and not letting the other ones, because by the way, the other three who play with her are very good. It's not, it's not just Ra- Raven just happens to be like in a class by herself, but the right. other three that have her could probably be the number two, three, and four players in the state of Georgia. They are that good. <laughs> For They're sure. that good. So so we can't just do her. So so that's why I told you anybody put on the court, they got to be able to play defense. And they have. And so we just try to focus on the paint area. That's why we go to the pack line. Uh, I specifically went to that, you know, because of them, to be honest with you about it, because we couldn't do anything with them, you know, trying to run. And our press, when we pressed and we got back and played our man and we went outside and tried to extend, they beat us back door. We weren't doing very good. But now if we went to the pack line. Sometimes they'll throw stuff inside and we're there and we can disrupt them. So. Our goal is to keep you out of the we'll take our chances. We're not, now you're not going to get an uncontested shot. Don't don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But we figure a, a contested shot further is a little bit more difficult to make than you want to do. Yeah, and that's um, and I, you know, it's funny. It's it, you're preparing your team to beat the best. Right. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't think a lot of do that. They say, well, you know, we're going to be a pressing team, but are you going to press the top teams in the state to win the state or region tournament? I'm not sure if a lot of coaches really think about that. Right. And, uh, and by the way, on the way to uh, Westlake, West Westlake, we get to play Collins Hill. I, I was uh, the head coach at Campbell <laughs> when Maya Moore was at Collins Hill. And- Hello, this is Craig Reed, owner and CEO of Corny Board Aids. We specialize in providing coaching aids and equipment for the basketball coach. We are also home of the Corny Board, the original sideline coaching board. I want to recommend Championship Vision Podcast. It is a great way to get insights into what other great coaches and leaders do in their programs. Kevin Furtado brings a great tool to coaches with this podcast. Thanks, Coach Furtado. So we've taken some lumps on the head from a lot of them and and learned, you know, hey, we got – and by the way, when we got beat by them, we had some pretty good teams. I mean, some really, really good teams, and you wouldn't know it because of who we were matched up against, but it would have been a great state championship game, any one of those. But um, you just learn from that. So, yeah, you always want to say, okay, uh, and I might even use a, the name of a team in practice. I probably do, you know, and say, well, like, do you think that dribble is going to get you past so-and-so? Or do you think you sure. – or do you think if you play defense like that, that's going to shut so-and-so down? I use that a lot. Uh, so, yeah, and, and, and that's what you should aim for, you know, you know, whether we're in that group or not, and we may not be, but that's what we're aiming for. You know, we're going to. Absolutely. A- hey, aim to beat the best. I totally agree. Coach, talk about your offense. Um, how do you connect that? Because uh, obviously you got to score to win. Um, are you trying to outscore a team or are you trying to maybe even ball control more take take more time off the clock what what kind of offensive coach what kind of offensive system do you have well we are we have become uh wholeheartedly sold out now on positionless basketball so that's what uh we want the next best shot uh and we want to go from that to our defense. We spend time working on going from offense to defense as quick as possible. So we're not really trying to hold the ball um, for uh, an extended period of time, 
but we're looking for the next best shot. And we know that you just move the ball around and don't hold the ball. Because what used to happen, uh, Kevin, is when I had just set plays, uh, and I don't know why I was surprised by it because it's what I designed. If I set for somebody to stand here the whole time, guess what they did? They stood there the whole time. That makes it easy for the defender of that person to help out on somebody else because they knew that person was going to stand there for the whole time. So with the position as basketball, there's constant movement. So not only are we putting pressure on you on the offensive, on the defensive side, the offensive guard everybody because everybody on the court is a threat to score. And they're moving there and we're looking for who's open. We're not, we don't have the, the one score. Now, if we got a really great score, the uh, position as basketball doesn't hurt them. In fact, it helps them because the other people now get shots and you got to defend them. And so guess what happens late in the game? Now that great scorer gets whatever they want and, and it's really pick your poison. So, so our, our philosophy is play the best defense you can and go from offense, getting them five spots. And there's, that's why I told you I don't call um, plays it in. I don't, I don't say run this, run this. I might call a layer because there's like eight different layers and we're running now about now, seven or eight years, and we probably have put in eight of the layers. I don't know that we'll ever get to 18, you know. Really, all you need is have them do them right, you know. And so uh, I think some of them are redundant anyway. But but it's just if you go from the defense to getting in those spots, and it doesn't matter who's handling the ball. You know, when we do our ball handling drills, I don't tell the post players, but sit down. There's not a whole lot of difference in the size of our post players most of the time anyway. I mean, they're just athletic. But, um, you know, they do ball handling drills, so anybody can start the offense. And it's just a matter of getting everybody in there. And so if, if you're up front, you don't stop at the top of the key. You go to the spot that's farthest away so that everybody else can fill in. And those are, you know, filling up and moving the ball and filling up and around the court. It's, it's just an important thing to do. And, and once the kids understand that, that's been the thing to me that's been like the great thing to watch. Once they understand that, then now you really got something because uh, they're moving and they're calling layers and they're doing this and they're doing that. And, and we drill that. I mean, that's all we do is just go over that, go over that, mostly on air. And then we'll go with dummy defense, not, never full. And every now and then I might let them do a little scrimmage with it. Just say, okay, you got to score after we got this many passes. Like what? No, you got, unless somebody's wide open. And if they're wide open, now you think. So I've given you a number, but I gave you a scenario. If we don't get to seven passes, somebody was open on three, they're wide open. Guess what you're going to do? You're giving the ball because that's what I said. So I want to see if you're going to think from offense to defense and defense to offense. Yeah, I love that, Coach. That transition is so important. On I don't think we teach enough of that, uh, particularly like if you're teaching offense, you better have if you score. And this is my own belief, and you tell me how you feel. If we're teaching offense, if we score – you better transition either back to half court, okay, or you transition back to a press, but you can't just play offense, offense, offense. I think you always got to include that transition. What do you think about that? Yeah, I don't have any players that just play offense. If they just play offense, they get to sit with me. So you better be getting <laughs> back. And they know that, and they know, and they know the why. See, it's not, it's not that I don't want you to score. I obviously want you to score. But it's a selfish thing if you are just interested in scoring and now you expect the other four to go back and play defense while you wait to score on that. So that, that's the why. And, I, and I'm very vocal about that over and over again. I probably overstate it, but I do it on purpose. Uh, so, so if you're going to be a scorer, and especially if you're a great scorer, uh, I said probably a thousand times, to whom much is given, much is required. If you can score, why shouldn't we expect you also to be a great defender? Why shouldn't we expect you to get back? Now, you might not be the best defender, but we expect you to work to be a great defender. You better work on 
when you score, you better be hauling it back down the court and you better be helping. You might not be the one to stop the ball, but by the time they stop and pick it up, you better be there and help. They help your teammates out, you know. So, yeah, it's 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 important. Nobody, though, at Campbell is just going to be an offensive player. If you're going to be an offensive player, you're going to be a spectator. <laughs> exactly right. Coach, uh, yeah, before we just go on to how you, how you run a practice, um, are you – are you? How do you form in your offense this year on that? You have five guards. How do you do it? You take, let's say you have a big. Are you going to go four out? How do you form your offense? So we allow, again, and uh, that's another thing we will have missed over the summertime, but I know a little bit about what kind of size we will or won't have. You know, that's somebody moves in that I don't know anything about. Um, we, have, we have a five out. We have a four out, one in. We have a three out, two in. And, mm-hmm. and even if we size – the girls are free to move between those formations because it, for, it it makes teams think that we're doing something that we're not. I mean, we're still running the five-out offense. It's just from different places, but those places are set places that are set in that offense. I mean, we got, you know, the spots. I mean, if you notice know uh, offense I'm talking about, you buy the spots. I bought those. We put them down on the court so they know when they go three out, two in, there's there's certain places that those two got to be. I mean, they got to mm-hmm. be there. So, so um, I'm formulating it off of that. If I had bigs, I would do the same thing. If, if I have, because if I want to take advantage of somebody late, then I might call. This is where you might see me intercede. I might say, we're going four out, one in. Or uh, if I got two of them that we got a high advantage, we're going three out. We got one or two, you know, for certain things that I might want to have, I might go to that. But other than that, I allow them the flexibility later in the season. Now, early in the season, you come to my games, I'm probably calling them. I'm saying get here, get here, and why, and they understand that. But once we get around, you know, game 10, 11, uh, I'm backing off, and certainly by game 18, 19, we better be able to figure it out. Otherwise, we're going to be in trouble. Um, we move from that to that, but they do a good job of doing that. You know, we got sets that we're going to use against the zone. They know what those are. They know how to get into that. So um, I just move between those. The, the size thing, because it's so unpredictable, I want all of them to be basketball players. And that's why I went to the uh, uh, position as basketball player. See, if I teach somebody who is 6'2 to stand, uh, or the biggest one I ever had that was 6'5, if I taught her to stand now, now I will tell you, I did let her uh, post out around the, uh, the paint because nobody could stop her. And if you wanted to play for us, you had to learn how to. Uh, and uh, she did that. But, but I don't think that, um, I don't make adjustments. Uh, probably because I haven't had a whole lot of height. We've had more athleticism. But I don't think now, having been in this offense that we've been in, that I would do it any differently because even the big players, if you get them moving, that makes it harder for them to be guarded. I totally agree there. And I love what you're teaching is the versatility. uh, Because my little guards that I have, Coach, they're great at posting up because we emphasize that, hey, you're like you said, like you're a basketball player. Um, I think a guard posting up is more advantageous than a big posting up because littles don't know how to guard the post. You're right. And we get that a lot because when we move, you'll end up seeing one of ours down there and they'll be on one of those six post spots because it doesn't matter who you are. You exchange and they get the ball and somebody cuts. Now I got a guard with the ball in their hand and somebody cutting. And this guard actually, by the way, also knows how to go up and under. This guard knows how to step away and shoot. This guard knows how to pump fake and go around you. And if you guard all that when somebody comes by you on a cut, they know how to give the ball up. So you're right. That that gives you a huge advantage. 
For sure. Coach, before you go, I want you to talk about how you run practice at Campbell on that. Give us kind of your, well, maybe you don't want to give your trade secrets away because I know that, but kind of give your best drills so a coach listening can kind of, hey, man, I love that drill from, you know, from Randy and so forth. So give some of your trade secrets on how you run a practice. Well, number one, I don't really allow anybody to be in practice. And I got that from Doug Lipscomb. Uh, when I went over and watched him practice uh, with the boys, and I'm, I'm like, well, if we ever get to be decent one day, we're going to do it just like this. Uh, he didn't allow, and he doesn't allow, it, you know, he didn't allow when he was coaching. And I don't know if he's still coaching. I know he was in Atlanta. I don't think he is now, but he didn't allow that. And I, and I think a lot of coaches, he's not the only one, but I saw his practices. That's where I got it from. Even with Coach Neal and those, not a lot of coaches let those in. So, so if I don't, uh, put the seriousness of practice up, then, then nobody else will. You know, if somebody's trying to come through the gym to go to another area of the way, I might, I might pitch a fit. Nobody uh, <laughs> else can't hear me say, listen, now the real reason why I had to do this is I need them to understand how serious our practice is. Now, practice is serious, number one. I don't allow people sitting down during practice because you're never out of the game. That's the same philosophy. Right. You in that, so if you if I allow you to sit down, you'll lollygag, and then all I do is I wait, especially for a senior, because the seniors have been around, so they know. So I'm I'm looking for like the slightest thing of anything like that on the sideline where a senior might be goofy, just put them on the line. So they don't understand how important it is. But we we set the level. Of we set the level of expectancy, and then um, everything is intense. Like if you don't if you don't go 100 percent on everything we're doing. I'm going to make you do it again. And if you do it again the second time, then I'm going to run everybody on the baseline. I'm going to use a different kind of pressure. Let your teammates start getting on to you about that. So we'll give you a chance to fix it. And then your teammates will have a chance to say something to you about it. So uh, we do that. I have coaches highly involved uh, moving around. If I was talking about drills, uh, I mean, you know, we open up with uh, with left-handed ball handling drills because most people are right-handed. So I want all my players to be able to handle the ball with both hands. So, you know, we start every drill with left hand. Uh, we do Carolina. I told you I'm a Carolina fan, so my first drill is I'm going to start with ball handling. It might be Carolina. Uh, we're going to go in. And that's really a zigzag drill. You know, all those college drills are named for schools that, that do the drill well. So we start the next time you partner with somebody. So when we start, you're not starting just ball handling. You got left hand, and we're going to work on crossover, and we're going to work on behind the back, between the legs, reverse pivot, those four drills we do. And then we do uh, layup drills. You know, we do uh, what we call Arizona, and we do it with uh, six balls or eight balls. And so, you know, it's a, it's a layup being shot like almost every second. And I count every time the ball hits the floor. It, it forces them to when they're in line to catch the ball out of the net and go run. Sure. See right off the bat. Go right out of that. We'll blow the whistle. We might go into our um press breaks. So very little just straight out running. I try to make everything we do in practice be running. We don't have to do a lot. That's not to say we won't do something. Uh, but we try to do less and I like if you go hard doing this, we're not gonna go. So if you show me doing practice with a lackadaisical effort that you're not gonna go hard in, then at the end of practice, I'll show you what I would rather you do 
the hard practice and, and then we not do the running. But if not, I'm going to run you until I get tired at the end of practice. And so after we do that once or twice, uh, I don't have any difficulty with them, you know, going out of that. And then, you know, we'd go from that to shell drill. And, and actually I, I skipped because we actually would start with the closeout drills. You know, we have them on the baseline and on the free throw line. And we, we do three types of closeouts, you know, you uh, and I got that from the pack line. Uh, they have what you call the, the Reggie Miller closeout, which is a shooter. So you get mm-hmm. close enough on the ball and then uh they have what you call uh the uh, rondo which is a driver you know he's not going to shoot so we clap out but your goal is to stay in front of them so sit down and be like that we do that i the girls like to call that's just an age thing but it's the really good player that can do it all so you got start like that and then we might go from that to going to two on two uh you know because we do the pack line making sure that we move the ball and you get to that spot and you better be yelling ball every time that ball is passed and you better be sprinting to that spot and uh, and then we would go into our ball handling stuff after we got through our defensive stuff so we'd go through those so i don't mind sharing that a little bit no not at all coach and i i, I tell you what i find interesting is i is your philosophy on drills over scrimmaging because I think that's rare. I think most coaches scrimmage a lot or over scrimmage. I I love that you're focusing on the discipline of teaching skills and drills. Um, First of all, why? And um, why do you see the benefits of that uh, to to preparation for games? Uh, Well, a lot. Number one, girls. Uh, When you want them to play at a high level, you know, sometimes they can get attitudinal quick light and and <laughs> it's to be expected because uh, if you're really having them get after each other, I don't care what you say. It's a little different. You know, I had the benefit of coaching boys. And when I coach boys, even when we were terrible, you know, they'd be mad with each other. Uh, off the court, going to court, we play ball. Come back off, she'll be mad. Girls, if they get mad with each other on the court, they're going to be mad with each other and it's going to impact what you're doing. So I want us to be so tight that when we finally do get to scrimmage or we do get to play some one-on-one, they know that it's a rare And it helps us drum up the level of competition. It's, it's really like training something to be like really, really aggressive, but not letting them do it until you get down. <laughs> sure. I mean, I might get dribbling the ball. I'm moving around on the court with the ball on my hand. I'm running. They got a it gives you the opportunity to drill, 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 and but also it limits possible. It's hard to replay. I really expect, and I don't want. I don't. I want that, but I, what I really want you to show me that is, is come game time. And so, uh, I think a lot of times we just expect. Now, that, now I will do this. There are some really, really young. T- Then you got to do that. So I don't want you to think it's a one-party thing. Benefit now of having had a lot of folks around and and nobody on my team, like this year, if we were able to have it, has not played basketball before. Play. So really, really like, you know, could we scrimmage? And they're, and they're, I mean, it's, it, there's not a year that... Doing that. Coach, can, can we scrimmage? Uh, no, because we look terrible, so... If you want me to respond to us looking terrible, we can go. Ahead. No, that's all right, because because what that really means is we're gonna put the balls up, 
And after we, I'll let you scrimmage a little bit. And once I get, it, I'm gonna pick something out anyway, whether you do it or not. I'm gonna make it where it's terrible, and then I'm gonna run the daylights out of you. So I'm pitching it high because I want you to aspire for the best you can get me on those. And they, and they do, they respond. Yeah, I love that. I, I, I love how you have a purpose to that. I really love that. I'm not sure if enough coaches really understand why they're doing stuff. Just like you said before, Coach, you have a why to how you yeah. practice. Yeah, and it's important because today's kids, that is the research tells us that different from uh, the, the ones that have gone by, whether we're talking about millennials or Generation X or whatever letter we're on right now, these kids want to know why, and, and we owe them that. We should be, you know, I don't think you should be in front of somebody's worksheets and you're not actually how something's supposed to go doing. I mean, you're killing them, you know? So yeah, you, you should be able to do that. You got, you got to do that. You got to do that. For sure, coach. Hey coach, hey, before you go, tell me if you were ahead of the Georgia High School Association, what one change you would make to make girls basketball because i speak to a lot of girls basketball coaches um there's still some things we need to get better at um what one change would you make to the game of basketball to help at the girls level oh wow that's a that you know i i i just think basketball is basketball i can't think i mean give me an example of something that you would say other than the fact they play around the rim that's different about boys and girls basketball i I, I just try to teach it as basketball and I probably, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, you know, deficient in that, but I, I think, uh, treat the game. Like I'm not real crazy about the, uh, you know, we got the shot clock thing coming on. The this shot year. Clock. Yeah. And, and I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. I'm going to tell you because the way we play, we played in a, uh, in the Atlanta tip off club thing last year. And I spent zero minutes trying to worry about a time clock. Cause you know, you're <laughs> playing basketball or, you, or you're not. And so it didn't impact the how we played. You know, fortunate uh, shot clock violation because you know it's not it, that's not what we're trying to do. And I, you know, I, I think sometimes they uh, uh, they set uh, things for the comfort of the people that are working the game and not out of consideration for the game. The game is is pretty it's pretty good as it is. I mean, I know they they're resetting the fouls at the end of each quarter. Yes, uh, yes, that's to speed the game up. I'm not sure I'm a fan of that. Uh, but you know, I mean, we'll obviously we'll adjust to it. I think sometimes the, for me, just, uh, you know, messing with some things, I think that they're pretty set. I don't think I, I like, like, I don't hear the why. We don't really get a good why on that. Uh, so, uh, that, that to me might be the one thing is that if you're going to make an adjustment in girls basketball or boys basketball or basketball period, uh, make sure prior to enacting that or making it where it is law that you do a good job of communicating with the ones that are out there, the coaches and giving them the why and giving them a chance to question the why. And don't take that as an affront, you know, don't, don't treat the, the girls coaches as if, uh, you know, they are like lucky to be on the bus with the boys coaches. You know, I, I do the scheduling at Campbell and uh, a lot of times coaches will call and, and boys coaches, they sometimes talk like, uh, well, yeah, we're going to have the, we're going to play the girls. And that's how it's going to be played at Campbell. You know, we're going to, we'll mix it up. We're fair. I don't, don't mistreat them. But, you know, when I was a football coach and, you know, we're in Georgia, so football is king, you know, I'm from North Carolina. So it'd be a little different up there if you're talking. (laughs) 
basketball will get a little bit more uh, respect than when sometimes we get down here. But that would be the one thing that, like, when a basketball coach needs something, we move, you know, the heaven and earth to help football in Georgia. And do things sometimes in basketball. So I guess the why is really the only thing. I can't really think of anything game-wise. Uh, unless you got something, I'd be, I'd be glad to talk about. But I, I, I just think of it as basketball. And having coached boys and girls, I mean, I know we're not going to play up above the rim. If we ever get there now, we're going to really have something. But we're, we're, <laughs> we're not there. Yeah, for sure. And I, I love what you said about the shot clock and the personal fouls. But I really love what you said about the respect for girls' coaches. Because I, I think if you look down at all the girls' basketball coaches in the state, man, we got some great ones from single A yes. all the way to 7A. I think, I think we're one of the best states in coaching. Yeah, well, I think the uh, recruitment would show and prove what you're saying. You know, it is, and uh, uh, and and sometimes we're often overlooked at that because again, uh, we do, and we do have great football. Don't get me wrong; I'm not an anti-football person. I, I was a high school quarterback, and you and I both neither one of us played girls basketball in high school. You know that, but <laughs> but right. the deal is, the deal is, is as a as now I'm an advocate for girls basketball, right? Because I'm the coach of that, and I and I just want the best for them. But yeah, Georgia has put out its share of people, and I mean. You, you could just go down the list. I told you about Maya, and you know what Maya Moore has done, but she's just one of several. I mean, you talk about on a professional level, there's a lot. I mean, Angel Robinson at Marietta, I got, we played against her. I mean, you know, I mean, you, 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 you have a – I could go down the list. I had Christy Lodge played at Florida State for me. I mean, I've had girls at Air Force Academy, at George Washington. I mean, and this is one school. Now, and we're not – we haven't ever won a state championship. <laughs> so, so imagine right. the ones that have won, you know, I mean, there's just been a bunch, a wealth of them. So, so yeah, yeah. Georgia has some phenomenal coaches. I mean, I, and I'll tell you right now, uh, I'm, I'm never going to get to the place. Like if we go to a meeting, you're at a coach's clinic, I'm quizzing somebody else who's year one, year two, because they got something I'm stealing. I ain't no shame in my game. If it works and we can use it. I mean, we got a sideline break that I got from one of my assistant coaches her first year out of college. She gave me that 20 years ago and we still run it. Cause ain't nobody, ain't nobody figured it out. That's right. Hey, you can learn from any coach at any level. That's, That's so right. true. That's right. Um, coach, thank you for joining me, man. I appreciate you kind of giving, kind of talking about the Campbell way, man. I appreciate you kind of sharing what you guys do. I send this out to a lot of coaches and um, I think you're going to get a lot of contact from a lot of coaches contacting you about your program. How can a coach, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Um. Uh, I don't mind giving out my email or my phone number. Actually, all my kids and everybody in the community's got it. So, uh, my my email address. Uh, did I send that to you? Yeah, I, I get, as a matter of fact, I got both. If you don't mind, I can. I'll yeah. put that on the uh, on the podcast and so forth. Yeah. Uh, do you have Twitter or Facebook that you want to share? Or I got. We got a Campbell's Women's Basketball uh, Facebook, and I got, I do have a Coach McClure Twitter. I don't use okay. it much, so uh, maybe I could get more active with it. I, that's one of my. So my son, <laughs> I have, I have uh, my, I have four kids. My oldest is thirty, and I have twins okay. that are that just graduated from college. They're twenty two. And so they've been on me about my technology skills. That's why I, they were probably laughing at me when I was having difficulty with the uh, app that you were doing there <laughs> earlier. That's right. I'm working on that. I realize it's an area I need to grow in. And I don't mind that. So I do have it, but I'll, I'll, I'll have to send it to you. That shows you how much I use it. But I think it's. No problem. I'll look it up, Coach. Coach, okay. thanks for taking the time out. I appreciate it. I'm hoping you guys are back to business this year, practicing and playing again. So I'm really praying for that for, for the Georgia high school to come back. 
Yeah, me too. Hopefully, my decision already made here. Right now, I'm going to get on the phone so I can call a few folks and see if they've said anything or anybody. You know, there's always somebody in the meet. So I'm going to see if I can find out who that is. Absolutely. Randy, thank you so much, Coach. Thanks for sharing. I appreciate it. All right, Kevin, you take care. All right, take care. All right. Be blessed. Bye-bye. Hey, coaches, this is Brad Hillegas, content producer at Huddle for the NBA, NCAA Division One, and high school basketball. I'm a big fan of Coach Furtado's podcast, Championship Vision, because it connects coaches around the country that want to continue learning and growing our beloved game. The X's and O's, coaching philosophy, teaching principles, they're all here. And that's a mission that we're working on at Huddle as well. More than 160,000 teams, including the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate their performance with video. But our collection of online tools is much more than that. Mobile, desktop apps, smart cameras, video editing, data analytics software, the list goes on. But our goal is to help coaches like you teach the game in a modern way, whether that's connecting with your athletes, communicating your game plan, or looking to gain a competitive edge. If you want to see how Huddle can help your program, visit Huddle.com. That's H-U-D-L.com to learn more. And of course, keep listening to the Championship Vision podcast to never stop learning. Hi, I'm Alex Stevenson, Athletic Director and Girls Basketball Coach at Dodd City. I've been at Dodd City for seven years. During those seven years, we've won seven district championships, been to six regional tournaments and three state championship games. I'm a huge fan of this podcast what it brings and the platform that we're able to share knowledge and wisdom on and and grow as coaches.